Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Bravura Solutions FY21 Financial Results Conference Call. All participants are in a list for session. If you wish to ask a question, you will need to press the star key followed by the number one on your tel... Thank you, Darcy, and uh, good morning. Uh, my name is Tony Klim. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Bravura, and I'm joined here by Martin Dida, our Chief Financial Officer. In addition to our FY21 results this morning, we've also announced that I'll be stepping down from the CEO role. After 10 years as CEO and with the business now well positioned to navigate current emerging market trends, now is the right time for the business to be taken forward under renewed leadership and for me to consider a step in my career. So we're also joined here by Nancy. Nick has played an essential part in making the business as strong as leadership roles at Bravura, and having worked closely together with me in developing Bravura, no doubt he is the right person to take Bravura to the next level of our full-year financial results. Bravura has achieved its guidance despite the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and its related lockdowns in all our markets and particularly so in our largest market in the UK. There has been significant market uncertainty that has affected business confidence, and the workplace restrictions have impaired the ability of our clients and prospects to engage and collaborate on major projects. The result of this environment is more evident in our firm number of impressive achievements during the year. We have signed one of Australia's largest superannuation funds, or Word Super, as our maiden client for our game-changing new digital first proposition, Sonata Alta. And with Delta Financial, we have acquired a market-leading software business in the UK to broaden our coverage of the pensions market. And we've extended our market leadership through a targeted R&D program that provides clients with the solutions that they are looking for. Now, while markets have been tough, our business is resilient. As the COVID-19 vaccines roll out and confidence improves, the business continues to position itself to take advantage of the subsequent release of latent client demand. Bravura is emerging stronger as the pandemic eases. The pandemic has highlighted the greater need for robust technology and automation in a digital-first world, and the long-term drivers of our growth are as strong as they've ever been. So, with those opening comments, if I can take you now to the summary on slide four. Our full-year results is a tale of two halves. The first half saw lower project work in the UK arising from the impact of COVID-19. The second half benefited from an improved operating environment, client wins, and targeted management initiatives. Total recurring revenue now stands at 84% of group revenue, and I'm particularly pleased that contracted recurring revenue is up 15%. The Aware Supercontract is a landmark deal for Bravira and for the Australian superannuation market. It has generated significant interest from other superannuation funds, and we expect to see further wins as a result. 
We've made excellent progress on our R&D initiatives, spending $50 million on the development of a suite of microservices, Australian RAP functionality, Sonata Alta, enhancements to our GFAS funds administration platform, and the extension of our digital advice capability. This continued targeted investment directly meets the needs of our clients and provides Brabure with a significant and sustainable competitive advantage. And we welcome digital financial to the group during the period, expanding our UK market offering into complex self-invested pensions. The acquisition complements Brabure's core Sonata offering and broadens Brabure's growing ecosystem of products and services. I'll now ask Martin to take us through the financial results in more detail. Thank you, Tony. If we turn to slide six, this sets out our FY21 financial results. As discussed earlier, group and segment revenue and earnings were down, reflecting the impact of COVID, particularly in our UK business. And although revenue was down $31 million uh, on prior period, overall through cost control measures, um, the impact on EBITDA was $8.5 million. Corporate costs came in lower, 4% lower, also benefiting from tighter cost control and lower acquisition costs in FY21 compared to FY20. There are two specific items that we have called out separately in this result, neither of which were assumed in our guidance. The first is the re-measurement of contingent consideration. Midwinter's performance has not met its vendors' ambitious earnout targets. Consequently, Rivera recognised a $4.6 million gain, so in addition to the P&L, arising from the remeasurement of contingent consideration. The second is a change in accounting policy. In April 2021, IFRIC announced that certain cloud-based software implementation costs cannot be capitalised and must be expensed. In July 2021, ASIC made this change mandatory for the FY21 reporting period. Accordingly, $2.4 million has been expensed and recognised as a change in accounting policy. That was a debit to the P&L. Turning to slide seven, uh, the Delta acquisition, which uh, Tony highlighted, contributed uh, $10.2 million in revenue and $2.3 million to EBITDA. Um, to our result. Uh, we closed the Delta acquisition in October, so that was an eight-month contribution to the period. Uh, the Delta revenues and uh, contribution are recorded in our wealth management segment. And Delta, pleasingly, has a very high proportion of recurring revenue at about 80%. If I move to slide eight, Revenue by geography. You can see that uh, the impact of the decline in revenue year on year was um, entirely in the UK part of the business. Pleasingly, we saw growth in, um, in the Australian market delivered uh, strong revenue growth. Turning now to slide nine, 
notwithstanding the most recent period and the extraordinary circumstances caused by the pandemic we found ourselves in, Bravura has consistently delivered revenue growth and margin expansion over the last six years. As vaccination rates roll out across the jurisdictions that we operate in and business confidence returns, uh, we expect the operating environment to improve and in particular, uh, we expect uh, our business in the UK to return to growth as well. Slide 10 sets out our recurring revenue. Contracted recurring revenue was up 15% during the period compared to the prior uh, corresponding period. As discussed earlier, COVID-19 has impacted attached recurring revenue where we've seen some project work being reprioritized. It's important to highlight that we anticipate that this work will um, appear in future periods. The decline in non-recurring revenue is almost all in the UK. The lack of new significant deal wins has seen a decline in implementation work as implementation work from earlier deal wins has been completed. Implementation work from the AWARE super client win continues to ramp up. Turning to slide 11, our financial position. Rivera is in a healthy financial position with cash of $74 million and uh, no debt. During the period, we completed the acquisition of Delta the maximum possible purchase price of 23 million pounds comprised 14.5 million pounds, which is approximately $27 million upfront. And this was paid in October and an earnout of 8.5 million pounds, $16 million is contingent upon meeting certain financial targets over the next two years. Our balance sheet is well positioned to continue our program of R&D investment across our product ecosystem to meet anticipated client needs. In FY21, we capitalized approximately $20 million of um, R&D, which was um, uh, the figure that we had guided to. Operating cash flows, excluding taxes paid, uh, were $51 million, representing a cash conversion of 105% for the full year compared to 56% in FY20. That's uh, operating cash flow to EBITDA conversion. As you can see in the chart, our cash conversion metric appears lumpy on a six-month view, but sits at around 97% over time. In addition to our uh, significant cash balance, we have also, on the 20th of August, signed a new $30 million unsecured three-year working capital facility with JP Morgan and are moving our global transaction banking and treasury um, activities to JP Morgan. The facility is currently undrawn. I'll now hand back to Tony, who will take us through the performance of each of the segments and the outlook. Thanks, Martin. Uh, if I can now take you to slide 13, which sets out the performance in our wealth management segment. Now, this segment saw revenue and earnings decline during the period, 
Most of this decline came through as COVID impacted professional services work in the UK. Sleepingly, though, uh, contracted recurring revenue rose 30% during the period. Along with the AWARE supercontract win, additional new or new contracts were signed in the UK, Australia and New Zealand for microservices, Sonata, Garadon and EPAL. Approximately $41 million of R&D was incurred in the wealth segment, of which 47% was capitalized. The spend related predominantly to developing additional microservices, wrap functionality in Australia, and extending our digital advice capability. Now let's turn to slide 14, which sets up performance in our funds administration segment. Now this segment also saw revenue and earnings decline during the period. As with the wealth management segment, much of this decline came through as COVID impacted professional services work in the UK, although to a lesser extent. Contracted revenue, uh, or contracted recurring revenue, remained broadly stable during the period. Excluding license fees, which are less consistent in nature, segment EBITDA margin is in line with FY20. R&D spend in the segment was all expensed and focused on enhancing Revira's GFAS product. Now, I'll now ask uh, Nick to introduce himself and take you through our strategy and outlook. Over to you, Nick. Thank you, Tony. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nick Parsons, and I'm honoured to step into this role. Tony's been an exceptional leader for the business and will be a tough act to follow. I wear background. I've over 30 years of experience in IT with a specific focus on the financial sector. I've held a number of senior leadership roles with Revira, including leading the sales team in EMEA and leading our operations globally. I have one key message during this leadership transition. In the context of the business and our strategy, I intend to lead and drive the strategic evolution we've proposed together in the last 12 months. With that key message in mind, I'd like to step through the following slides on our strategy. Moving to slide 16, there are three primary developments taking place in the market. First, there is a reduced interest in Big Bang implementations. Second, there is a need for lower operational costs. And third, there's a need to improve end customer experience. In response, we've evolved our technology strategy to focus on componentization of microservices, cloud, digital, and automation. I'll touch on these more on the following slide. So moving to slide 17, in addition to the three primary developments I touched on in the previous slide, there are two additional relevant trends. Individual fund managers, and advisor groups are increasingly moving towards providing their own digital wealth management capability as an alternative to traditional retail platforms, opening up additional sales opportunities. We're also observing a middle tier of clients that are underserviced relative to the top tier of clients. Delving a little deeper into the evolution of our technology strategy, as well as developing and acquiring new microservices, we're transforming our existing product into smaller individually saleable and deployable microservices. All of our products are or will be delivered as cloud services, and we're increasing the degree of automation our technology provides and ensuring a world-class digital experience. 
together with the evolution in our technology strategy, our commercial approach is also evolving. Going forward, we anticipate having more client contracts underpinned by a subscription and consumption-based approach. In doing so, the structure of our contracts will allow clients to smooth their fees over the term of the arrangement. We see our strategy supporting the outcomes that clients are asking for, as well as delivering enhanced longer-term value to shareholders. Turning now to slide 18, I'd like to highlight some of the steps we've taken on each initiative. With our focus on cloud, Sonata is now delivered as a cloud service. More and more clients are now served through the cloud. Our Advice OS and Platinum Pro products are cloud delivered, and all of our FinCom microservices can be delivered via the cloud as well. With our focus on componentization, well, implicitly all of our FinCom products are microservice components, and we have an R&D program away, underway to build more. We're also gradually componentizing Sonata, and we've launched a new microservice, Sansa, which is uh, currently in deployment with its first customers. And with our focus on automation, Sonata Alta, which is being implemented at Aware Super, is a fully automated super innovation offering that's a compelling alternative to outsourcing. Orchestrator and Stanza, which also focus on automation, are now also in deployment with one of our funds administration clients. Turning now to slide 19, the five key planks of our overall strategy are to transition our existing clients to cloud services, use our technology platform to drive scale, flexibility, and differentiation, to expand our total addressable market, to deliver an ecosystem of offerings across the value chain, and to ensure that we communicate a clear value proposition for all clients. Turning now to slide 20, the developments in our strategy also see an expansion in our total addressable market. The viewer's market opportunity in our two biggest markets, the UK and Australia, is significant. In the UK, we estimate a total addressable market of more than £1 billion of revenue per year for our products and services. The market comprises retail and institutional fund administration, retail investment and life insurance platforms, discretionary fund managers, corporate defined contribution pension schemes, self-invested personal pensions, and small self-administered pension schemes. In Australia, we estimate the total addressable market to be about one billion Australian dollars of revenue per year. The market here comprises superannuation, platforms, advice, life insurance, investment management, and asset administration. I'll now ask Martin to take us through the financial implications in some more detail. Thank you, Nick. Let's now turn to slide 21. Our commercial strategy results in five key changes. More of our client contracts will be subscription and consumption-based. This is already the case um, with the bulk of our funds administration clients and contracts. Secondly, we expect to see contracted recurring revenue rise from about 50% currently to about 70% over the coming years. Upfront license fees will still um, exist, but will be a smaller contribution to revenue and earnings. The revenue and margin profile of each contract, and therefore in aggregate, 
will be more consistent over time. And as Bravura's total addressable market expands, our products and services will cover more of the value chain and overall client contract value is expected to increase. I'll hand back to Nick now for the outlook. Thank you, Martin. Let's turn now to slide 23, which sets out our outlook. The industry structural drivers for our strategy are strengthening, and COVID-19 has emphasised the importance of digital first. We're increasing our total addressable market through the rollout of microservices. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to impact Bravura's key markets. The near-term outlook remains uncertain. However, the sales pipeline remains strong. Demand in the UK is beginning to improve, and there are significant opportunities for Sonata Alpha in Australia. Revira currently expects the FY22 NPAT growth in the mid-teens relative to FY21 adjusted NPAT of 32.3 million Australian dollars. I'll now hand back to Tony. Thank you, Nick. Uh, so Martin, Nick and I now will be very happy to take your questions. Thank you. If you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. If you wish to cancel your request, please press star 2. If you're on a speakerphone, please pick up the handset to ask your question. Your first question comes from Naveen Patney from ENP. Please go ahead. Oh, good morning, team. And, um, and firstly, Tony, congrats on, on an excellent career. I mean, what um, Bravura has been able to do in terms of innovation for, for the, particularly the platform market uh, in the UK, I think, um, you know, it's, it's been sort of unprecedented. So congrats on a, on a, on a fantastic career, firstly. Um, the, um, the first question I had was just in terms of um, just reconciling the statements around, around guidance for, for 22. Um, clearly, there, there was quite a big uplift in second half 21. Um, and improvement, you know, across the business, particularly in the UK. But if you sort of annualise your second half impact of, of 23 million, you get to 46 million. Um, you're guiding though for, you know, roughly around 32 million of, in, of impact into 22. So it's quite a big delta there. So I was just trying to understand what are some of the offsets that you expect um, relative to that second half run rate going to 22. Is it sort of you know, licence fees, staff cost inflation that we're sort of hearing about occurring in the UK or, or, or anything else? Okay, well, thanks, Naveen, for your kind words. I really appreciate that. I'm going to hand that one to Martin, I think. Martin, are you happy to pick that up? Yes, uh, thank you. Hi, Naveen. Um, yes, so the uh, the 23 million of NPAT in the second half, yes, it was a strong um, second half, uh, which we guided to, uh, I think, at the um, at the half year. Um, there were um, license fees uh, in that result, which um, helped improve it. There were also um, um, uh, other uh, project uh, items in there. We're expecting uh, FY, the first half of FY22 to not continue at that, um, at that uh, run rate. Um, as we expect the um, the uh, business in the UK under current uh, the current view to pick up more in the second half of FY22 than in the first half. So um, 
That's why our guidance um, isn't simply a, uh, the second half multiplied by two. Um, it's more of a balanced uh, structure. Okay, great. Um, thanks for that, that, that uh, Mun. Um, and just in terms of the, the R&D, um, you know, it sort of stepped up, that you capitalise anyway, it sort of stepped up from sort of 8 million in the first half to 12 million in the second half. Just thinking about how we should think about that profile into, into 22 and, and also into 23? Yes, uh, I'll, I'll take that one as well. Um, we anticipate that uh, the level of capitalisation in 22 for the full year will be um, approximately what it was in FY21, so about uh, $20 million. Uh, and then we expect that to uh, come down um, in FY23 as these major programs, uh, uh, particularly the microservices and um, the further work in digitalization, Sonata Alta, um, come through to completion in the course of FY22 going into FY23. Okay, excellent. And um, in terms of your balance sheet, clearly in a, in a strong position from a cash point of view, uh, just interested in how we should think about, you know, your M&A pipeline at the moment. Um, are there any areas of priority? And, and just a point of clarification, the, the 30 mil debt facility that you've signed, um, can that also be used for acquisitions or is it more of a working capital facility? Um, uh, we continue to have a, a pipeline of opportunities for M&A. We are considering, uh, uh, continuing to consider opportunities. We have nothing uh, imminent at, at this stage. Um, and yes, so, so the relationship with JP Morgan, we do have access to um, 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 facilities for um, uh, R&D uh, CapEx uh, funding um, in, that, uh, in that working capital facility. Okay, uh, great. Thanks, Tim. Appreciate it. Thank you. Your next question comes from Sophie Karen from Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Hi, Tony, uh, Martin and Nick. Thanks very much for taking my question for the number of new Sonata contracts coming through. And then also how much is the Sonata Alta versus the traditional on-premise um, product, please? So we, um, we would expect to see um, further Sonata Alta sales, particularly in uh, Australia. And um, as, I, as I mentioned, I, I think um, there's a lot of interest uh, in the Aware Super deal. So um, uh, over the next year, I would say um, at least one or two more alpha sales. I think if we look at the UK, what we're seeing is significant interest in the more modular replatforming models. And we're already providing um, microservice modules into uh, a number of the big wealth platforms. And indeed, we're actually uh, replatforming one of the major UK retail platforms. We can't name it, I'm afraid, um, using this incremental um, uh, microservices approach. So the, the sales are slightly different. Um, the incremental sales involving microservices can still be of the scale of a Sonata sale um, when aggregated. So it, it will vary uh, according to markets. Um, so, as I said, the main interest at the moment in Sonata also is in Australia, um, but we would also like to bring that proposition into the UK. 
Excellent. And then just on the um, recovery in the UK, uh, I mean, you've mentioned a strong pipeline, but can you just um, maybe quantify how this sort of compares to last year and how much of this do you think reflects uh, a bit of pent-up demand versus new demand coming through? Um, I think in relation to existing clients, we're seeing um, that pent-up demand because that's really where we saw um, the, the, the major decline was, you know, it, where we have very large-scale implementations with, with big players who were typically spending several million pounds a year with us. You know, that was the business that was um, potentially just put on hold. It didn't go away but just moved to the right. So, you know, that's... Um, uh, that that's coming back. Uh, we're not completely out of the woods yet. You know, people aren't returning to, to work in the office at the rate um, that perhaps um, some of those organisations might hope. Um, so, um, I, I think in terms of new opportunities, I think we're already seeing that back at the level uh, pre-COVID. So the pipeline is 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 strong with new RFPs and new RFIs coming to to market. So that 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 will be the split of them, as, as I see it. Excellent. That's really helpful. Thanks for that. Thank you. Your next question comes from Scott Hudson from MST. Please go ahead. Yeah. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, just a couple of questions for me, uh, Martin. In terms of the Delta acquisition, uh, I think at the Macquarie conference in May, you highlighted that the Delta acquisition would contribute sort of three to five million dollars of um, of revenues. Did, did that eventuate? It looked like the the NPAT outcome was maybe a little bit light relative to those expectations. Uh, for the um, in the second half, it contributed uh, about five and a half million dollars of revenue. So, okay, thank you. Which is, uh, in terms of the uh, license fee uh, expectations for for FY22, I mean, do we expect to see a sharp drop off in that? Are we seeing that the shift in the commercial model, um, I guess, play out in those license fee expectations for FY22? Um, we won't see a, a sharp drop off. Um, we will see uh, uh, perhaps a different mix. Um, I think there might be more licenses in fund administration and less in wealth management. Uh, but overall, I think that the um, the license um, uh, overall the license amounts will be roughly the same as what we did in FY21, which was lower than FY20. If, um, if, uh, if you look at the numbers, so low, low double-digit license fee revenue. Yes. And then in terms of that, uh, I guess that sharp drop off in, I guess UK project work. I mean, is it? Um, I guess is that recovery happening slower than maybe you would have anticipated, given 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 the reopening of the of the UK economy? Uh, yes, slower. Sorry, go on, Martin. You go. Ahead. Yeah, I was I was about to hand it to you, Tony, but uh, yeah. So why don't okay. you go on? Yeah, and I think it's a little slower. As I mentioned, um, you know, we're only just really getting back to normal. Um, you know, the, um, the, the the rule change was in July, um, and um, as I said, we're not seeing um, the return to, to work at the same at the level perhaps that some of our clients might have expected. And as I mentioned before, one of the, the 
key um, point about these very large-scale projects is, you know, you do have multiple teams that need to work together, sit around whiteboards, um, you know, demonstrate software and things like that. So, you know, th those face-to-face -face meetings are quite important. So, you know, we're not out of the woods yet, but um, I think there's a significant um, upturn on, you know, certainly where we were six, nine months ago. So it's a gradual improvement, I think. So does the, I guess, do you think, Calendar year 22 is, a, I guess, a, a more robust period in terms of, I guess, some of that project work that was deferred? Yes, very much so, yeah. In light of that, Martin, what, what are you sort of anticipating for first half, second half split with regards to your FY22 NPAT guidance? Yes, yeah. So that comes back to uh, the comments that I made to Naveen's questions. Um, yes, we're expecting that uh, um, the second half of FY22 will be stronger than the first half, um, and uh, yeah, based on on exactly that point, we, we certainly think that uh, uh, as we currently look at the, the profile of the pipeline and, and um, project opportunities, that looks like it will be stronger in the UK that that will be picking up in the second half. So, uh, similar split to FY21? Not, not as extreme, but um, uh, I think it will be more of a, um, um, yeah, so it, the first half will be lower than the second half for, to get to our guys. It won't be as extreme as the as the NPAT split that we had in, in FY21, but it will be... Um, um, Thanks. In terms of the... Uh, I guess the Tony, in terms of the outlook for superannuation in Australia, does the uh, Senator Alta need to be, I guess, fully implemented with the aware before you potentially win new contracts, or are clients, uh, I guess, happy to proceed in advance of, uh, I guess, a test case being being live in the market? Oh. We can definitely move forward without um, the completion of the AWARE um, project. Um, I, I think, and we're, we're actually talking to a number of players at, at the moment. So, no, they're not going to wait uh, until that project is, is uh, complete. Okay. That's all for now. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, if you wish to ask a question, please press star 1 on your telephone and wait for your name to be announced. Your next question comes from Brendan Carrick from Macquarie. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, and, and Tony, I'll echo the comments earlier. Congratulations on your tenure. Um, just a question just around costs. Um, so I think there was some obviously some restructuring uh, costs uh, and reduced cost base uh, last year that came through the business. Um, I noticed on your website there's a few uh, job hires um, available or at least um, you know, increasing the amount of um, uh, opportunities for, for people across the business. So I'm just wondering about the investment that's required um, following the reductions in the cost base um, and, and how we should think about that, that going forward. Yes, I'll yes, take well, that. Yes, we're certainly um, ramping up. Uh, you carry that, Martin. Yeah. So, um, yes, we did um, have... Uh, cost savings last year. We did um, um, a uh, we had a restructuring program which was largely focused on um, uh, operational um, overhead functions 
as well as um, uh, some corporate um, overhead functions. So um, uh, a large portion of those savings are ongoing, if you like. The, um, as the business is picking up, as we've just been describing, um, we have been recruiting for um, people in uh, some of the the, uh, the newer areas of focus in the business. So uh, to enable us to um, accelerate building out our um, microservices, as Nick was describing as part of our strategy, uh, more resources. We've been hiring more resources for our Sonata Alta program um, uh, as well. Um, and also um, we are uh, experiencing um, which I think is being experienced across the sector around the world, um, increasing um, price pressure on technology resources. So um, we are finding that um, there is um, upward pressure on um, uh, salaries and wages for um, key, key staff and key skills across, um, uh, particularly in the engineering, uh, software engineering space. So they are items that are factored in. We also benefited from, it's perhaps a bit of a perverse benefit, but the, uh, the lockdowns across all the countries enabled us to make savings in um, travel, uh, travel costs, um, as well as um, uh, facilitate some, to some degree, our facilities costs, our, our uh, property costs across the group. Okay, that's, that's clear. And then maybe just to follow up on the on the guidance question. So, um, I mean, collectively we've we've sort of got to the fact that licensing fees are going to be stable or broadly stable compared to last year, and there's going to be a second half skew. Um, in, in terms of that pipeline um, of of new contracts um, that you can see in the nearer term, uh, is there any skew in those licensing fees um, between the first and the second half that's contributing to that second half skew? Um, no, not really. It, it's it's very hard because the the um, the licences are booked um, uh, generally when the contract is is signed. Um, they, uh, that can be very binary in that sense that it you know, can be here or there, or that it can be you know on the 30th of June or the the 1st of August or or so on, which moves those around. So. Um, it really depends on the mix of which which deal has what sort of a, a, a license structure and whether that you know, comes in earlier or a bit later or so on. So I, I can't really give any more okay. anything clearer on that. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. And then just last one, just on the FY21. Um, so it came in at the lower end of the guidance range. Uh, license fees are sort of bang uh, in the middle of that five to eight million dollar range that you had called out for the second half. Um, so is there one thing specifically that you would call out that, that led you towards the lower end of, of the range, given license fees was sort of uh, in the middle? Um, just thinking about it from a momentum standpoint, is it just sort of UK not recovering as quick as what you thought it was? Yeah, fundamentally, that's that's the point, yeah. So um, we didn't get... There were uh, some projects that we anticipated may start in the latter part of um, the second half, uh, in the UK, 
that didn't occur. So that was that was really the the balance. There are a number, always a number of moving parts in um, when we construct the the guidance and, and for the outlook, and that's essentially what occurred. So. Okay, that's clear. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Bob Chen from JP Morgan. Please go ahead. Hey, morning, guys. Just a couple of questions for me. Um, just given uh, sort of the second half margin sort of jumped around a bit, could, could you give me a little bit more colour on sort of the EBITDA margins between wealth management and fund admin going into uh, next year? Yes, so we um, uh, so the, the fund administration margin does vary uh, depending on the amount of licenses um, through because licenses are 100% margin. Um, so the fund administration segment, the the margin um, that the segment uh, generates relatively consistently um, excluding licenses is about 40%. And we anticipate that to continue. Um, we do have um, opportunities um, in FY22, um, which may generate um, uh, licenses in fund administration, so that the margin may pick up from that, the total margin, due to the licenses coming through. But we anticipate um, fund administration to continue uh, going forward with an underlying, so a margin excluding licenses uh, of um, approximately 40%. In the um, wealth management segment, um, we've been moving on the margins there uh, and progressively those margins are increasing as particularly as um, Sonata becomes more um, mature and we're able to further optimise our costs of maintenance and support um, in, uh, in wealth management bringing those margins um, uh, up to um, 30% uh, and then over 30%. And that trend we anticipate continuing on into, um, into FY22. Okay, great. And, and then just given that you're transitioning um, the business more towards a SaaS-based business model, uh, longer term, like how will that impact your uh, margins in your businesses? So what we will see um, there is that um, if in the cases that uh, and this um, this accounting policy change for SaaS um, um, type uh, software has um, has to a degree impacted the way um, particularly SaaS services are accounted for. Um, across organizations, but where we continue to provide an instance of the software that is in the client's control, then there is still, uh, there will continue to be a license amount that is attributed to that, which is why I said when I was um, talking about, talking through um, slide 20, um, 21, sorry, that we'll continue to see license fees um, going forward. The, move, the change that we'll see in our revenue is that um, um, a degree of implementation 
fees and um, predominantly development fees associated with our projects, they will move into the recurring fees, so the consumption, um, subscription, uh, or annual fee for the software. So we'll see um, uh, implementation fees as a percentage of total revenues reduce, and the contracted revenue, the contracted recurring revenue, being the sort of annual fees the clients pay um, for the systems, that component increasing. Um, there may be some impacts on margin over the um, the next three up to five years as as more and more clients move to that sort of a model. Um, but over time, um, as uh, uh, more clients come into that this model and as the clients use more of the software, um, revenue should increase. Okay, brilliant. Um, uh, and then just uh, finally, um, yeah, obviously working on the implementation for Aware Super. Um, can you talk a little bit about how much Aware Super is going to contribute to that uplift in earnings uh, for next year? Uh, no, I can't. I can't comment on individual contracts and uh, and relationships in that sense. Okay, cool. No worries. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Andrew Perks from Accordius. Please go ahead. Yes, thanks very much, Dylan. Just on, on slide 21, you have actually um, talked about this before, but I was in terms of, but I was just interested in where are you on that um, on that uh, sort of time frame in terms of converting to you know cloud-based and consumption-based revenue? Yeah, so we're structuring. Um, new deals that we enter into, so new new projects, um, we are working to structure this way. And it's not something that entirely we're in control of. This is um, each uh, each client, um, as we work through contracts and arrangements, uh, have their their particular requirements for their own um, uh, internal purposes. Um, so uh, as we um, as we negotiate and structure new deals, we're structuring them in this way. Uh, okay, and all, think, all, sorry, all, all deals will be structured in, in, in that new way? Yes. Yeah, yeah okay. Because I suppose just with your competitors, when they move to this model, and um, both, you know, they're, they're, there's a real impact on, on revenue, particularly because you lose that one-off big hidden profit from, from license fees. But it, are you, this graph doesn't look so dramatic as what other people have sort of um, other other yeah, other competitors have 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 seen. So you're saying that it's not really it's not really so dramatic for you. Um, uh, yes, because um, our uh, it, uh, and that's that's what I was describing before. If the the client is provided with their own instance of the software that they have control of then under the accounting standards, there is a license element to recognize for that. If it is a pure um, software as a service that the client is taking, where the client is uh, simply a tenant in a multi-tenanted system and have no control over the software itself, they don't have their own instance of the software, then it is purely 
production revenue that can be recognised. The vast yeah, majority yeah. of our arrangements are the former. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I just didn't have that chart saying year four is still, year four onwards looks great. Year one, two, and three, okay, you've sorry, got a few okay, wobbles. No, 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 no. Uh, all right, yeah. So I now understand your question. That chart is a chart of a single contract. It's not yeah. how, how our revenue, how our group revenue changes over years. That's, that just shows the profile. So... The, the graph on the left is for a single contract over the 10-year term of the contract. What would our revenue recognition look like? Is the chart on the left. That's the traditional yeah, model. Okay. The chart on the yeah. right shows it for a single contract in the new model. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, that's okay. So you're basically saying that when you move to the new model, when I look at years one, two, and three, it's not really that dramatic. In fact, I mean, others, it is quite dramatic. But you're saying when we move to a consumption slash cloud, it's not really that dramatic on on revenue. Maybe in year one, because you lose that profit or, or the profit of the of the, the license fee, but it's not it's not dramatic. Yes, correct. Like year two, year two looks the same. Okay, thanks. For and when you capitalised, I think you said you know there was a big big capitalisation of R and D, forty seven percent. What was it last year? How much did you capitalise last year? What percentage did you capitalise last year? Uh, the percentage is, is a bit difficult because it's a percentage of how much we spent on R&D. So last year we capitalised um, about $9 million of uh, software development. Uh, sorry, okay, in, so about 100%. FY20, in FY20 we capitalised about $9 million and in FY21 we capitalised about $20 million. Yeah, and as a percentage of of total R and D spend, FY twenty was that twenty million dollars was forty seven percent. That nine million dollars, how much was it as a percentage of FY twenty spend? Uh, I don't have that number in my head. I'm sorry. It would have been. It was a lower percentage, but I I don't have that number in front of me. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. I'll now hand back to Mr. Klim for closing remarks. Thank you, Darcy, and, and thank you all for your questions. Just, just a couple of uh, concluding remarks. Um, despite the impact of COVID-19 on Bravira's UK business, the drivers of our growth remain stronger than ever. Uh, in addition, we've evolved our strategy to put um, Bravira on the best possible footing. And I'm confident that Bravira will emerge stronger from the pandemic under Nick's leadership. And I'd like to thank you all for your support during my tenure as CEO of Bravura, and uh, thank you all for dialing in today and for your continuing interest in our business. That does conclude our conference for today. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Mm -hmm.